Deb. Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 51. Yes, indeed. A weekly show that brings you latest and the greatest in guitar and music industry news. I'm Vlad, as I just mentioned. And once again, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the Black Clothes Ambassador, a man whose thumbnails break the laws of how many guitars people are actually able to hold, and a man who likes his guitars in all colors, whether it's blue, deep blue, or frost blue maybe as well. And we're obviously Lake talking about, about Richard. Exactly, like Ocean blue, blue, blue as well. We are absolutely, absolutely uh, most definitely talking about Richard Morgan. Rich, now that we've reached the one-year milestone, do you think this will be the last Cat Pick Fridays episode ever? Unlikely, Vlad. Unlikely. That is correct answer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I really dread to think what could happen between now and next week that would force us to not do a 50-second episode. That's true. That is very true. Like, <laughs> Let's hope that it will actually happen. Fingers crossed we'll see you like all next week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, th th thanks for watching and listening. See you next time. Something like that. No, thank you so much for listening, liking, sharing, subscribing, watching, uh, something in that order. As always, Cat Pick Fridays is available both on YouTube or, and I'm going to click the magic button that shows us the wrong thing. There you go. Cat Pick Fridays, like, I did some tweaks and changes and Finally, like put some effort to the podcast side of things, meaning that uh, whether you search for Catpick Studios or Catpick Fridays on any of the podcast platforms, we're there. You can find us there. And it's kind of crazy to see that it's 55 episodes already. So there's few episodes of that Master Their Basic series and then a bunch of Catpick Fridays over the past year. So, yeah, that's cool. And also, I have to mention that we're going to take a little bit of time here at the beginning of the show to celebrate the one-year anniversary because it's a big thing. And before we do that, I have to mention that there's a bunch of cool stuff we'll cover later in the show. If you're interested to check out those timestamps on YouTube, in the show notes, on podcast platforms as well, feel free to jump there. But obviously, if you're a true fan, you want to celebrate with us and chat a little bit of what it's been like doing the show for the first year. And yeah, in the recent happening section, we're going to talk about the Line 6 Catalyst, the new amp, which looks cool. Uh, possible League of Boss RE2 Space Echo, which I like. Something about a Chrome Silver Sky guitar that was shown or seen on the Super Bowl, at the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, Premiere Guitars Instagram was hacked. And we just checked as of recording this video, it still hasn't been restored. So that's interesting. I'm going to check, talk about that and just cybersecurity in general. Not, not that we're experts, but anyway. Uh, Gibson Jerry Acoustic Guitars, Kiesel Thomas McRockling Signature Guitars, Fender George Harrison Rosewood Telecaster Chambered Guitar. So many signature guitars. Uh, Ibanez Custom Shop USA is celebrating their 50th anniversary and they released some crazy, crazy guitars we're going to check out as well. 
And then there's also Universal Audio SD-1 microphone, which looks a lot like the one I'm speaking to, like the one Rich has. And it's also called SD-1, which then again remind, like sounds like boss pedal to me. So that's <laughs> interesting. And it's very budget-friendly. And in Weekend Watch, uh, something that I love but haven't really like uh, talked about publicly that much, some Japanese music and Charles Colmel analyzing that. So that will be fun. But let's start with Cat Pick Friday's celebrations. One year, uh, this is episode 51, but technically we're at like 50, let's say, let's see, we released four summer episodes last summer. So we are at 55 episodes at this point. This a lot being of episodes. Yeah, this is 56 technically. I kind of left those four out because they were like a bonus episodes, not like a regular content. But yeah, crazy. It's been a year since I came up with idea to make this happen. And here we are. Um, should we first check out a clip I prepared of how we actually make the Cat Pick Fridays happen. Or should yeah, we let's do that. Yeah, let's do that first and then talk more in a second. Yep, much better. So, in early 2021, I had this idea to create a weekly show that would be, first of all, and that was one of the most important criteria, I would have fun producing. That was one criteria. Then it would be an interactive thing, so you, dear viewers and listeners, would be kind of part of the show. And also something that would be a bit more relaxed. So not like an official demo of something or anything like that, but a relaxed atmosphere where like guitars and music and everything is kind of involved, but it is more a casual thing. I decided to try out and shoot different segments in different parts of our apartment first, which was fun, a bit labor-intensive as well, though pretty quickly I started thinking of maybe turning this into a podcast, and I think I did few Cat Pick Fridays kind of more podcasty versions of the show first. And then I just realized, hey, I should probably ask Rich to join me because we've been friends for many years. We love gear. We love music as well, which you use the gear for, I guess. Uh, that's how it all began, I think. like It pretty quickly evolved from really weird-looking uh, camera angles we had for our show, and it was, like, I think first few episodes we did were on Zoom, and then Rich would send his video files to me, his audio files, I would process it, everything, kind of glue it all together, and that was quite labor-intensive for a while. Then I realized there's a thing called StreamYard, which allows you to bring in guests, share desktop, share videos, audio clips, and all of that kind of gets recorded into one file that you can, well, first of all, you can stream it on YouTube, for example, but also you can get like a fully recorded file and then just do some audio processing and put the whole thing out. And it just helps us to create a kind of visually 
appealing show as well, even though we try to keep it in a format where it's still kind of podcast ready or something like that. Like it works as a pod audio podcast as well. But if you're watching on YouTube, you also get all the visual goodness as well. And that has made a gigantic difference. Yeah, let me actually take you through it. So a typical Cat Pick Friday show starts by me going through different news sites and kind of cherry picking the best of all of those news and articles and things like that to create the most interesting and best show we can. And we try to structure the topics in a way where if something's kind of linked together, like similar amps were released, or like last week we had four different modelers getting a major update. So we obviously kind of put those all together as well. So just makes sense. Yeah, going through those, going through the questions and comments you put on YouTube or on social media as well. And before you ask, yes, Rich is contributing to this as well. And then I'm basically creating this massive text file which has the rundown of the show, a script, if you will. And I also gather all the links for all the different articles because we always link to every article we mention in the show. Same goes for videos and stuff like that. And I think that's very important. We don't want to kind of steal stuff from any article or anything like that. We want to give those sites credit for what they do. Weekend Watch is many times just picked by my YouTube algorithm and the recommendations I get. And uh, sometimes Rich spots something that he's going to recommend for the weekend watch as well. Then when it's time to shoot, I turn on all the fancy lights I have in the room and I usually have to clean up quite a lot because I don't want to have anything disturbing in the background, meaning that I would have like clothes lying around or anything like that. I try to keep that away from the shot at least. So sometimes my cleaning means that I'm just gonna take the stuff from there and throw it on the floor and you can see it so it doesn't exist for you so once we're ready to shoot the show we hop on StreamYard, check our audio check our video that it's working uh, after a lot of technical things we've been figuring out over the past year uh, it's fairly consistent and steady so like i have my fixed setup i just turn on the things and they work same goes for rich as well we usually run through the show like see what we're going to talk about if there's something we want to uh, not to mention or something we really really want to mention we're gonna go talk through those as well and yeah then we basically shoot the show live minus few times where like I mess up some sort of transition and stuff like that but mostly like what you see is like the full live show just pre-recorded once we've done with the shoot uh, I download the file from StreamYard you can download that pre-recorded show as a video file Rich sends me his audio file. Uh, and by the way, I think I forgot to mention that we record our audio separately as well, just as a backup, because with recording the show over internet, you always get those digital glitches. And I have a pretty extensive signal chain for both of us, kind of tweak to our voices that I kind of fine-tuned over each episode. And I think now we are sounding good. And I like to say we sound as at least as good as most of the other podcasts as well. <laughs> so humble brag or something like that here. Then it's creating a thumbnail for the show, sometimes even a few different versions because the YouTube algorithms are a mysterious thing and sometimes people immediately click on the show, sometimes they don't. And then also writing the text, timestamps, things like that. Those take a couple of hours of my time each week to produce as well. And yeah, then it's just scheduling the show, scheduling the social media releases. 
And a question to you, dear listener and viewer. Is this something you would like to learn how to produce a podcast with a friend that's living thousands of kilometers from you? Uh, do you want to know my audio processing signal chain, anything like that? If this is something you're interested in, I'm considering doing a separate video on the channel for just for that. Let me know in the comments. And yeah, that's how we produce Catpick Fridays. And now back to us celebrating this thing. Yay! Let's do something we have never done before. We're gonna have some background music here. Oh, to get beautiful. us into a celebratory mood. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to add the video element there, but let's have it on the background. Mm. Can we talk Funky. in rhythm with this? Let me take it down a little bit. There you go. Yeah. So that's what it takes to make the show happen. Uh, not sure, not sure how many hours it takes me weekly. I just realized I'll probably have to synchronize this music in the post to what we're doing. Otherwise, otherwise we'll be just like jamming out of rhythm, which would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing. What I'm going to do is clap uh, along to a couple of beats to help you out. Uh, oh no, I lost there the music. Uh, yeah, I lost the music because I wanted to share this. So this is the absolutely first episode of Cat Pick Fridays and this is what it looked like back in the day, in the dark ages of 2021. I, I like the title to the first ever episode, by the way. Just for anybody who wasn't back there, back in the day, I when did I join? Like 10 episodes in or something? You had me as a yeah, guest I, and then I, have I that sort of stuck around. Well. Yeah, I have that cute okay. as well. But yeah, the, the title of the first ever Catfic Fridays. Why the Hobbit Sucks. Pro Studio <laughs> Stan's story behind my first name. That is, yeah. <laughs> I remember watching it yeah. and enjoying it, but it's it's just funny. Yeah. That camera angle looks weird now. I think it looked just fine. For, uh, I think you yeah, were going for like a very sort of intimate... Uh, sort of connection between viewer and host. What's so that seems like positive. red thing above the light switch behind you there? I see it two switches you, and then... Yeah, it just tell, tells you whether these lights are on in the... Uh, so that's... Um, that's a light, okay. Like a sauna space, so... Yeah, it just tells you whether there's lights on or not. Ah... So you remember to turn them off. Well, yes. Neat. But yeah, like this was fun one to do at the time. But like, I, I think I made five or six episodes like this. Then I was like, this, this is getting boring. Like just talking all by, like by myself and started thinking of maybe inviting other people to do this. Uh, <laughs> Your first... Just, um, your first solution to not enjoying talking by yourself was to create a, a cardboard version of yourself that you stood in the background with a life-sized face for anybody no, the watching this. the cardboard version was there for a while already because uh, I used it to like help focus my camera so it like place it where I was supposed to sit and then like focus my camera ah. on that cardboard ah, face. Clever. I still mm -hmm. have it somewhere over there in the background, but... 
haven't used it as much anymore because I've learned to use my cameras properly now. That's, um, a, that's a very good idea, though. I always remember yeah. from back in the day watching a, an old Rob Chapman video where he showed how he did stuff. This was quite a few years ago, I guess, before he also learned how to use his cameras in the, in the professional way. And he would always just have a chair where he would sit and he would just put a guitar on the chair and he would focus in on the headstock because that was roughly where his head was going to be. And I always oh, thought, oh, that's yeah. cool, but kind of DIY, which is exactly what it was. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so episode seven was the first one that I decided, I think I decided to release as a podcast. Yes, because the first uh, timestamp is podcast news. Yeah, so epi from episode seven, this was released as a podcast as well. And then episode seven was this one. I still like, this was just me sitting in the studio and going through different topics and... Video-wise, it's a bit monotonous. What's the, how do you say it? Boring. <laughs> yes, monotonous <laughs> is the word. Yes, I just thought the brutal truth would be. That is what people were thinking. No, monotonous. You're right. It's just yeah, one camera, yeah, same perspective the whole time. Just like my videos, in fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the king of that. Yeah, that's why I like you as a co-host. You just bring in the truth nothing but the truth it also sounds like we have some sort of family crisis going on there but they will alert me <laughs> if they need me that's our deal so un unless someone's calling my name everyone should be fine uh, but yeah so episode 7 was the first like podcast episode and on episode 10 Rich joined the team let's like watching on YouTube uh so the first episode, as I mentioned, or did I mention in the clip we just saw, like we would shoot our videos independently. I think we were on Zoom or something. We'd also record our audio independently. Then you would send all of those files to me, which already took time. Uploading, downloading, yeah. importing, then editing it all together. And yeah, this took some time to put together and like, uh, for example, in this episode, we're talking about the Jerry James Nichols gold top guitar. Like, now on stream, we can look at the articles, we can look at the videos and stuff like that while we're doing that, which kind of brings a cool visual element. <laughs> Here, there's a single JPEG in the middle between us, and that's it. Because <laughs> otherwise, I didn't like want to spend like insane amount of time editing these videos. Because it's it's a podcast format, but like visually this doesn't look that good. Plus, you were using the lavalier mic at the time, which made our voices sound very different. Like I managed to get it all right, yeah, but but still. So, oh how how far we've come! And then I think the last one I have queued. This was the first episode. So episode twenty one was the one we did on. <laughs> This was the first first one we did on StreamYard, and I don't know what you're doing to that microphone there. It look you have a, like a holy moment with it or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, was that my first episode using that microphone? Uh, that so I don't I know. Yeah, I definitely look like I'm praying to it, worshiping it, <laughs> in awe of it, and you're just looking yeah, you at me like, hmm. <laughs> Why did I invite what? this guy on the show again? 
<laughs> like it's very Indeed. sort of stern, lad. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, maybe I. Oh, <laughs> and there I am again. Just yeah, I think my computer is running out microphone. of like memory or something. Something yeah. like that is going on. Yeah, but I'd like to say like we've come quite far from this. Like we, I think. Did I? Yeah, I did already use some screen sharing slash desktop sharing stuff. So if we were looking at just photos, we weren't looking at the articles. I'd like all of this has kind of naturally like evolved to the point where producing like multi-camera uh, desktop sharing video sharing show. But I think at this point I was like just sharing like photos of stuff. So yeah, yeah no video sharing like. there. Yeah, no video sharing just yet. Yeah, interesting. And oh, how, how far we've come since then. Indeed. Well done, well done us. And yeah, I still have a lot of fun doing this show and I feel like we're just getting started. So I think that's good as well. And hope you feel the same yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, like I, I generally enjoy it very much as well. I mean watching the video of you explaining everything that you do in order to make this show happen also makes me grateful because you know this show goes out on your channel it was your thing it was your idea at first but at the same time I'm kind of a I'm the co-host now like I, I'm here yes. every week I'm a regular fixture and yeah in a way I have a pretty easy ride I do do preparations you know <laughs> obviously as part of my day job as well I'm looking at new gear and stuff all the time I'm sending you links we're talking or messaging mm. often during the week, most days. I'm sure we're in touch, aren't we, pretty much? And, yeah, pretty um, much. I'm thinking about stuff, and I, I guess I put a few hours into the show each week in terms of research and sort of pre-preparation. I make sure to go through all the articles if I can and learn a little bit more about the products if I don't know anything about them in most cases. It does also depend on my day job workload, which is sometimes high, sometimes not quite so high. This week, for sure. example, I've had hardly any time to do anything helpful for Vlad because we've had an artist over visiting us for Blue Guitar and I've been looking after said artist and th that was great fun and stuff, but that obviously meant that you had to take more of the lead with this this week. But that's that's just the way it goes, I guess. And the yeah, way it's happening um, at the moment is working pretty well. There's room for improvement. Yeah. We have no glass ceiling here, but yeah. 51 episodes in and let's see if we make 100. Yeah, I'd like to think we do, but you never know. <laughs> Why am <laughs> predicting like, some sort of doom happening <laughs> over our show? I don't know why, why we keep doing that, but yeah, I guess we yeah, just I mean, want we, this to continue. Yeah, we started the show wondering if we'll even make next week, let alone 50 more, but <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's something I wanted to mention, completely blacking out at this moment. Oh yeah, about the co-hosting, like, uh, I think you're like an in integral part of this because as I mentioned, talking all by myself, uh, oh, damn it, I was just about to again sing something because anytime we mention any sentence from any famous songs, I always start singing them. <laughs> Don't ask me why. 
or you can, but I'm not sure if I can answer that question. Yeah, like I can do a five-minute monologue and then I'm tired of listening to myself already. So having two people <laughs> makes a lot of sense. By the way, uh, something I also want to mention and I also want to hear from you, like are there some podcasts, uh, just like just podcasts or like podcasts that also have the video thing, are there some that you are kind of inspired by and t- have taken influences from them? Because I definitely have one that's been like heavily influential on me and just made me interested in podcasting in general. Me personally? Um, well, actually, I'm someone who tends to listen to podcasts only. I'll have podcasts mm. on when I walk places. I walk a lot. You know, I I do a lot of commuting on public transport and stuff, COVID permitting, of course. And when I'm doing household tasks or out and about, I'll have a podcast on quite often. Often guitar-related, often music-related, sometimes just not, sometimes sport-related, sometimes comedy stuff, sometimes historical stuff, sometimes educational Mm. things. But yeah, I mean, I, I tend to listen to stuff. And in terms of visual podcasts... It's never really been something that I've spent that much time watching because what podcasts let me do is get something else done while I listen. And my absolute favorite for doing that is Phil McKnight's Know Your Gear podcast, which Mm. I've listened to for years and years now. It's I just find it really enjoyable. Phil is someone who can talk to himself for hours on end. He's just an absolute natural at doing that and he's great and he knows so much and He's such a, a great guy and knowing him personally as well and realizing that that is who he is is just really nice. So I always enjoy listening to Phil's podcast. A couple of others that I listen to semi-religiously. I listen to a podcast wall called What's Good, which is a, a UK-based one from a couple of guys who have YouTube channels. One of them is in a, a pretty famous group called The Sidemen and they do mm. lots of silly things. They're not, They're not musical, they're like... YouTubers, influencers, whatever you want to call them, but both football fans, both quite funny guys, and I enjoy listening to them. And in terms of podcasts, it kind of closer to what we do again. I listen to a few, um, but again, do I watch any? Not really. Uh, the one I do sometimes watch is the Guitar Stories podcast. I listen to the Overdriven Chat Show. I've started listening to Brian Wampler's podcast fairly recently what's that called guitar stories no is it guitar stories the one that andy and dan do possibly no. let me just look but um yeah one with brian wampler and um yeah an american chap called blake who has another podcast which i've not heard and another chap from wampler called richard an english guy who isn't me mm. <laughs> let me just get my Wait, there's other richards here. in the uk from uk I, I oh, don't there's two, it. actually, there's two. Uh, Chasing oh. Tone is the other one that I ah, listen to. Chasing Tone. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting, and I don't know if there's even a visual version of that one. Mm. I'm not certain, but yeah, th- those are the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis, which are kind of musical in some respects. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm weird in the sense that I don't listen that to that many like um, music-related podcasts or like especially like guitar-related podcasts. Uh, I might have mentioned this earlier, but I'm at, like, at some point 
I'm a big NBA fan and I follow the whole thing quite a lot. Well, quite a lot would be an understatement. I like I mainly listen to NBA podcasts, not guitar podcasts. And um, probably my favorite, and I kind of queued up the video here as well, is something called No Dunks. So it's basically four friends plus a producer. And these guys have been doing the podcasting for 15 years at least. And you can tell that they're good friends. They live, they all live nearby. Like they spend time together off camera as well. And they just love basketball and like the like a chill atmosphere combined with <laughs> that's a great image to stop on, by the way. Uh, <laughs> One of the guys had to wear a dog shock collar for the whole episode because he lost the bet. <laughs> and the producer would like zag him every like couple of minutes without any warning. That was a fun bit. But yeah, if this video will work, I have some trouble. Yeah, my computer refuses to work today. Never mind. Can uh, I ignore that? But yeah, like I like them quite a lot. It's just a fun atmosphere and like uh, they go in depth on a lot of stuff but it's also like very relaxed as like you know like when you talk with friends you're passionate about something like if we would be in the same room we'd talk about like guitar something something in depth but there's always like this relaxed atmosphere they kind of managed to recapture that uh, on camera as well with their show and something that I think we've kind of aimed for as well with this show like uh, it's Kind of serious. We're passionate about what we're talking, but it's also like it kind of doesn't matter. But it kind of matters a lot, but doesn't matter at all. Type of thing. Yeah. Like if we hate a pedal, it doesn't really matter. If we love a pedal, it kind of also doesn't matter. But <laughs> it's it also does matter quite a lot. If you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I was taking a lot of inspiration from them. Um, I occasionally do listen to 60 Cycle Hum. I think they do. Like, it's very random what they talk about. But again, you can feel like Ryan and Steve have been friends for years and you can kind of hear that. And that's something that I've kind of taken from them. And what else? I also enjoy Phil McKnight's thing. It's weird that he manages to talk for an hour and a half, two hours, and it never feels like he's doing like a monologue He's really good at like creating conversation with like the f- sort of fake person or somebody asks him a question on StreamYard and he's really good at like replying to that without it sounding like he's, you know, having a rant for a couple of hours. So that's very impressive. I don't think I could do that. No, I, I, I definitely could. couldn't. Yeah. We should try it one time, but Phil is really, really good at what he does. He is. Yeah, exactly. And it's also interesting like, with some of the NBA podcasts, sometimes there's they do segments where just one guy like does some sort of a longish intro, like an almost like a mini essay. And with some people you could tell like they really need the other hosts there because it just the, it feels like a monologue or a rant that doesn't really go anywhere. Like and can you can almost hear that they're uncomfortable. So we're yeah, trying to I know what you mean. well. Yeah. Yeah, trying to avoid that as well. But yeah, one year anniversary. Yay! Here's to the Woo. next one. I'm going to have a sip of water to celebrate. I'm going to do the same with my exciting decaffeinated coffee that I'm drinking this morning. 
Nice, 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 nice. I'm just drinking mm. water. Mm. All that taste and none of that caffeine. None of that taste and, <laughs> and no none caffeine of the caffeine either. either. With this one. <laughs> no, it's basically brown water that I'm drinking. So yeah, yeah. All right. I think we should start talking about things that have happened recently. And yeah, start with the Line Six Catalyst. Let's go. Yeah, as we teased, Line Six has released the Catalyst amp and. Genius.com, I like how to summarize it. New amps, no menus, no screens, just tone. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's a new amp range featuring Helix technology. And a lot of people have already branded it as like a Katana Killer. Well, that's something you put in a YouTube title. Is the Katana Killer? Don't know, but it sure looks good. Uh, there's a 200 watt version, 100 watt version, and a 60-watt version, and there's also like a power soak thing on the back. Based on Ryan's demo, it's loud. There's several different amp circuits, I think. Then there's some effects. Yep. Um, it's very Bosque Katana-ish, if you will. And there's an XLR line output and a four-channel USB recording interface built in as well. So, as the Katana, this also... Does it all? Uh, yeah, seems nice. What are any info on the prices? Yes, there are prices. I, I'm pretty sure they're in this article as well. The One prices are very small. That's perhaps why you haven't seen them. But yeah, <laughs> that was a poor joke. Oh, I apologize. Nice, 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 nice. But yeah, as See, Vlad's this looking is why for we, that, we, we, we've lasted for a year already. Are there civilian yeah. links that refuse to load? For whatever reason, there you go. Two ninety nine for the sixty watt version, three ninety nine for the hundred watt version, and five nineteen euros for two hundred watt version. You know what? Is it the two by? I well, saw by the, the prices way? in British pounds originally, and they're not as affordable as I thought they were. I mean, that's still mm. pretty cheap for what you're going to get, but I thought they were maybe one or two hundred less in terms of euros mm. per per amp. So there we go. Yeah, the two hundred yeah, watt one is a two, two has two speakers in it, so it's not <clears throat> light either. Yes, what speakers oh, are in it? Uh, doesn't say <laughs> twelve inch speakers. <laughs> ah, twelve inch speakers, cool. Yes, but yeah, I eight, think that's that's the info you are looking for. Yeah, Actually, exactly. like nineteen kilograms isn't too bad for two by twelve. I'm kind of wondering where that weight is all coming from, because it could have been lighter. Yeah, but it's an open back. Mm. Presumably, yeah, it's see, made like, of very heavy wood. So they're line six well. catalyst speakers in there. So yes. their own brand speakers, no Celestians or anything like that in here. Yeah, looks clean, looks tidy. I would be very, very interested to try these out and I would be very interested to watch someone test this against the Katana because this is obviously Mm. here to compete directly with that market. It looks so similar. To me, it looks like a cross between the Katana and the Black Star, like ID Core control panel. The fonts and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it looks nice and clean, but again... Yeah, the fronts look classy. 
Yeah. I mean, the one thing they can never this... avoid having is a Line 6 logo on there. There's nothing wrong with the Line 6 logo, but I think a lot of people who grew up at a certain time grew up with the Line 6 spider and will automatically think mm. that <laughs> anything in amp form from Line 6 is not good, which is a mistake. Yeah. It's a mistake, but I also get where that's coming from. So you got to check the small one as well on Thoman. And yeah, we're going to drop affiliate links there if you want to support the channel and get one for yourself. So which of these would attract you the most, Vlad? They have pretty much Um, exactly the same feature set, I think. It's just the volume that you have and the the price that you pay mm. effectively. 160 watt speaker, 100 watt speaker, or two 100 watt speakers. I'd probably go for the smallest one. Yeah. Uh, if if the features are exactly the same as it seems that they are, I mean, it's kind of silly how uh, katana ish this is. Like even the layout here is similar. Yeah, like the, it's choose effects with these buttons exactly yeah, the way those three buttons. Are. That that's what I was looking at in my comparison. They look very similar. Yeah, if you're just listening to I the mean, podcast version, we highly recommend you check out check out the links in the show notes so you can see the layout because it is very katana like. I suppose I there's only so many ways you could do that. The most efficient yeah, way. Yeah. And obviously Boss has found the most efficient way because that's what Boss does. And everybody else <laughs> yeah, do. bases what they do around what Boss do. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a this font reminds me of like some some like uh, superhero movies or like I'm talking about the Catalyst uh, logo or font. Using like from a superhero movie or something like it could say like yeah. Batman or Superman Returns or something like that. You could type it with also, font. you know, Catalyst. The first four letters phonetically, it's exactly the same as Katana. So in that sense, it <laughs> it rolls off the tongue in the same way. Yeah, I bet there will be like seventeen hundred different comparison videos between the two, which will help you to decide which one to get. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Katana sixty is two ninety nine. How much? Much is the Katana fifty? Two fifty is it? Two eighty nine. So two eighty nine same Oof. price as well. Basically, yeah, the, they are priced the same. So this is going to be kind of test them both out. And have your own personal choice. Yeah, I've not tried the catalysts. I've tried katanas. They're pretty great. They are really good for the money. It's ridiculous if you compare it to what junk I was playing when I was a kid. Yeah. Me to too. Absolutely, these are insanely good. I could gig with the katana just fine. Yeah. So the catalyst amps have effects built in, which are based off the helix effects, as far as I understand mm. it. Yeah. I would take that and assume that the reverb and delay effects, for example, are going to be better than those available on the Katana. Yeah, I could see that happening. Or at least more uh, advanced. Yeah. Though, I guess, is, do you know mention, is there like a desktop editor for this at some point? Like, uh, I'm going to ch- check the Line 6 product page like if there's some sort of like a desktop editor what <laughs> <laughs> that, co- I that just went fire to hazard six. alert comes up whenever you open the line 6 website and I realize yeah, that like, they have to do it for safety reasons but it's such a yeah, it's such an off putting thing isn't it alert, I wonder how long hazard. they have to do 
Yeah, so for those listening, I just went to the Line 6 website to, to check out the Catalyst amps and immediately were presented with this like bright orange alert fire hazard. Uh, they had have some like fire hazard issues with the Relay G10 transmitter. This has been reported for like quite like it's been going on for a while. So I think anything product, any of these wireless units purchased prior to March 2020, there's like a fire hazard with those. And yeah, but <laughs> what a way to welcome us to the site. Thanks, Line Six. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to find out whether there's like some sort of desktop editor for this as well. Because that would be interesting to know. If there is, you'll probably have like deep access to a bunch of those effects. It just says 18 additional effects. Thank you. Yep. That tells a lot. It does. Just while you're uh, scrolling the- down, Blab, what, what do you think of the tones that you've heard so far from the Catalyst? The only ones I've listened to so far have been the ones on this Line 6 website page that you're looking at right now. Um, I listened to the the ones from Ryan's video, and the amp bundle sounds fine, but it's because they fixed the main problem with all the Helix units, which is incredibly bad IRs they ship with. Here you have a real speaker, and all of a sudden it sounds great. Yeah, that's the thing. I've been very public about that. currently going through with with my POC Go. Yeah, exactly. Same for me as well. Like, It's ridiculous what a difference between the two there is. Like, the external IRs and the ones built in. I'm sorry, but that's just the case. If you're not using external IRs with your Line 6 Helix product, uh, you're missing out quite a lot. That's all I'm going to say. But, yeah, it's sounding really like all the vintage amp sounds... Uh, Ryan went through in that video, sounded very nice. He mic'd up the amp with a single microphone and was playing a Strat, and it sounded good. Like, as good as Katana, at least, I want to say. And yeah, I want to try one out. Because it's Line 6, I think these will be available here as well at some point. For Are they available already? Out. Can you go back to your Toman link? I can go there, I think it said several weeks. Eight to ten Eight weeks. To well, ten weeks. So they're not able to do the boss thing where it's out right away. Interesting. I wonder why they chose to release this amp line this week publicly and all the mm. accompanying influencer marketing videos considering the fact that these amps are not available for two to three months. It's an interesting yeah. choice because people have such short attention spans these days. It's like, will someone wait? You know, they might see the video for this, they've got 300 bucks to drop on an amp, but they've got to wait eight to ten weeks. They go to the music store, they try a katana, does the same thing. Yeah, that's the thing. So, an interesting question, especially with budget-friendly products, I'd like to say, like, you kind of need to have them in stock. Especially because this isn't something that a lot of people have like anticipated. They just drop the news all of a sudden, and there, there it is. So, yeah, it's know. like in in some regards, why not wait those few more weeks yeah. until you have the stock? But yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, unfortunately, this also means that we are not going to be able to try this out for a while. It sucks, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, it's not line six's fault necessary. Maybe this was just like this is something they plan to release, but then just yeah, it's it, hit and yeah, it's entirely possible that they're suffering from the same production delays as many other companies in in many other industries. Yeah, that would be my guess at least. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you had your hands on one of these Catalyst amps, please let us know what you think. And yeah, we'll be. I I, I want to say one of us will try these as soon as possible because these are interesting products. Yep. I would even love to compare one to a Katana as well. So we shall see. But the other news, and we have a leak. We used to have some sort of like rumors slash leaks type of intro thing. <laughs> Just add a little bit of mystery to them. But uh, on Gear News, Gear News. com, uh, there's an article about Boss RE2 Space Echo, so the compact take on the Roland Classic. And there's a few different photos of this unit, and it looks very legit. In the article, they mentioned that they are not like seeing any photoshops or anything like that. These photos are kind of pretty bad, which kind of actually makes me think that they are, it's real. And also, this year, I think it will be, they mentioned that in the article, it will be, yeah, this year, it's 50th anniversary of the original Space Echo. So the big kind That's of... That's amazing, by the way. 50 years. Top of the amp unit, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And they do have the R, is it RE20? So like the dual yes. switch unit. And yep. this would be a natural evolution of that. It looks would great. be. Looks real to yeah. me. <laughs> it looks really cool. And loads of people love the RE20. It's yeah. a beautiful effect. The Space Echo is wonderful. What a lot of people didn't like about the RE20 is the fact that it was kind of a tone sucker when it was in bypass mode. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, they so mentioned that, that this, was a, the an issue well. for people. Yeah, and, and apparently it has been discontinued. Yeah. So it's about time that something new came out. It's such a beloved effect. I'm wondering, mm. looking at these images, is it real? Is it fake? Who knows? But it would be a fantastic product to come out and in a compact you know, single foot switch, stomp box size, it would be an absolute winner, I think. I mean, on yeah. the other hand, I, I'm kind of surprised they wouldn't do a Wazza version of it. Hmm. So you would think that would be sort of a prime product to do that with. But because this has so yeah. many different modes anyway, perhaps they thought that wasn't necessary. Hmm. I would like to think that this is real. Someone's gone to an awful lot of effort if it wasn't. Because I think this is not a photoshopped pedal. I think that pedal in those images actually exists. It's just, is it what it says it is? Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, but looks interesting. I'd love to try one out if this is real or when this will be real. Something like that. Uh, I bet. So I read that there was a rather well-known online store. I don't know which one it is. I think it's an American-based one that did do about 20 pre-orders of this pedal. Mm. And they took people's money for it and everything. And then 
this sort of leak surfaced and then they refunded those people. And that's also something that, if it's true, speaks for the fact that this pedal is actually on the way. Nice. I'm starting to feel I need to hit up my boss contact and ask for some inside information. Yeah, you could you could at least ask. Yes. You know, ask to get one, of course, and just say, hey, is it real? Yeah, like, if so, send me yeah. two. Yeah, like type K if this is real or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. some people online are saying that this is just a relabeled boss terror echo effect, but I mean it has different mm. knobs and all that kind of stuff. So who knows? We shall have to wait a bit longer. You yeah. can Would get space echo like effects some... in other boss units, but That's it's like true. there was something special about the RE20. Yep. And what presumably boss are doing here is repackaging that special vibe and packing it into the RE2. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes open, ears out, so, something like that in English where we just want to mention that we're going to follow up this story as it progresses because I kind of want one. Yeah, I'm, me too. I'm growing, growing to love boss effects more and more and once I have right now, like I'm not getting rid of them just because they are absolute classics and... They just work. What do you think this one would cost roughly if it does turn out to be a real thing? If they release it as a was a thing, probably 200 ish euros as the uh, what was the uh, dimension thing, for example, was like 200 ish euros, like in that price range. Yeah. If it's not a was, then it's probably more affordable. Yeah, it could be 150, 160 euros or dollars. Yep. That would be a decent price. I think a lot of people would go for it. I mean, the only yep. issue that you have there is you have devices like the Boss DD200 delay mm. with multiple algorithms in it. And I think that has a space echo in it. Yeah. But it's also like way more complicated. So maybe this is more appealing to a lot of people. No menus, anything like that, just knobs and modes. Yeah, for anyone who had the DE20, this is what they would want to go for. Mm, that is Sorry, the RE20. I'm confusing RE20, my boss yeah. terms here. I'm just searching the DD200 off the side here. Yeah, from space echoes to space-looking guitars, a PRS Chrome Silver Sky makes its appearance during the Super Bowl halftime show. And yeah, I actually noticed like before reading this article, like, hey, that's a silver sky at the halftime show, and it's a silver one. It looks nice. And it does did I mention the name of the guitar player? PRS, ah, the guitar was played by PRS artist Rob Gerrigan. Is that how you would pronounce him? Uh, American Geringer. Geringer? Geringer. Yeah, Could be Geringer. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure. Rob, by yes, his Rob G. Name. Yep. Rob G. Yes, Rob G. Played this cool-looking silver sky, and for those watching on YouTube, I hope this will work now. I maybe my computer has fixed itself, and yeah, like I immediately noticed, hey, that's a silver sky because you can tell by the 
by the headstock quite quickly. What guitar we're talking about? Okay, I think there you go. Oh no, he's playing a different guitar at the beginning of the show. He's playing a nice jazz master there. There's also I remember seeing like articles about this uh, halftime show that oh this guy's drums weren't mic'd up and stuff like that. And I don't think you would mic up drums at the Super Bowl. There's too much stuff bleeding in any way. It would probably be very difficult to make it work. I've and not watched you this video watched yet, this but yet. it looks incredible. I, I, wow, I they, they really put money like, into it, don't they? The halftime oh, show. Oh, yes. Some people said that this this was the best halftime show ever. I don't know. I have, don't have like extensive history of that. I think I watched the Whitney Houston one. Oh, no, she did the national anthem, not not the Super Bowl show, like the halftime show. Princess <sighs> yeah, one is probably one of the most legendary ones. Yeah. I, I guess in some ways it's always going to be a bit divisive when you have rap and hip-hop artists doing it. I remember when sure. Jay-Z was unveiled as a Glastonbury Festival headliner and Noel Gallagher mm. had something to say about that, but now it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally normal. You know, it's, it's yeah. totally mainstream. And of course, hip-hop and trap is what tops the charts all over the world these days, so it, it should be totally normal. It looks yeah. amazing. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's also like articles about Snoop Dogg maybe smoking something before the show. <laughs> well, that with would him, not surprise me. Well, that's the thing. Like with him, you almost assume that's happening. It's not like a surprise in yeah, any way. Yeah, is is he not smoking something all the time? So, so yeah, exactly. I mean, this was released on February fourteenth, so on Monday, and it has. 50 Two million views. Wow, it's there done even better than Jim Lil's Tonewood video. <laughs> yeah, Jim Lil is the close second now. Yeah, but he's on about seven hundred thousand, which in our that, little that world is, very is impressive. massive. Yeah, but yeah, I also personally highly recommend checking out, out like somebody who grew up checking out this halftime show. That is somebody who grew up in like early two thousands or like. Started. I started really paying attention to music at that point, like 50 Cent, Eminem, Dr. Dre, a lot of the Snoop Dogg, a lot of those artists are, well, from our youth already. And yep. These guys kind of helped me to transition from like, oh, metal is the only true mu- form of music to like, hey, I like all kinds of music. I liked a lot of Eminem songs and... Kind of started like I first disliked Fifty Cent when he came up. Uh, I thought Eminem was better, but then I just realized they're different artists and both have cool songs. And yeah, these are guys are also getting quite old, which is kind of <laughs> something that you realize at some point. Not only they are getting old, I'm getting old as well. Yeah, they're like Fifty Cent is at least in his forties, maybe getting closer to fifties as well. So. Really? Wow, okay. He has to be in 40s at least. Well, he looks pretty so, good for 40s there. He's uh, aging gracefully. Well, I mean, the ladies seem to like him. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. I Like the amount of planning for this show has to be just ridiculous. Like all the camera angles, like where everybody is positioned, stuff like that. Yeah, just, uh, just the choreography crazy. in that one little space where 50 Cent was just then. And there's about four yeah. of those spaces, and now Beyonce's outside, and it's like, okay, 
Madness. Yeah. Millions and yeah. millions of and dollars then, have gone into this. Yeah, and then but they have the to Super Bowl, the whole it? thing so they can play the second half of the, the game as well. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Yeah, but that's Super Bowl for you. And Indeed it is. From Super Bowl, from Super Bowl I to something... Would, uh, before yeah, we move ahead. on to the next topic, I wish to make a small correction about the RE2. The DD200 does not have a space echo algorithm in it, oh, which to me speaks more for the, for the RE2 being a real thing. Let's yeah. um, continue. Yeah, I think I'm like, going to comment on that, that both are very smart about making their pedals in a way where like all the versions of the pedal can remain desirable. So if the yep. RE2 is real... Like there isn't other products that like completely kind of do the same thing as the RE2 would do. And I think that's very, very smart mm-hmm. from a marketing perspective as well. Uh, something that probably wasn't smart was the security with the Premier Guitar's Instagram page. <laughs> because they were hacked. And we checked this morning before shooting the show. Uh, the Instagram account still hasn't been recovered. I tried to search for Premier Guitar and found the hacked kind of... So somebody hacked the account and then renamed it to something weird. And it's still there. And apparently they've created another account with the Premier Guitar handle and they have messaged Premier Guitar or, yeah, addressed a message to Premier Guitar team in the description of box. Hello. Premier Guitar team, apparently someone hacked you. Please DM me to get your original Insta handle back. Yeah. Well, oh, we, don't, we don't know if that was the hackers who created that account. Because when the original hacker hacked into Premier Guitar, they changed the URL. You know, they created mm-hmm. their own URL from it. And it's possible that some kind of, you know, charitable guitar player quickly jumped in and got Premier Guitar and is offering it back to. Premier That's Guitar true. themselves, or it's possible it's the hacker and they're just they want money, but I don't know at this point. Like you said, though, what an unfortunate turn of events to have your Instagram page hacked. They had thousands of posts, over three thousand. They had two hundred thirty thousand followers, and all of that is at least temporarily gone in an instant. They're not the first yeah. in our kind of branch of the world to have their account hacked. They won't be the last, but you mentioned it before the show, Vlad, that Stevie T recently lost his YouTube channel for a day or two, didn't he? Yeah. I think for several days, actually. Mm. And, and same goes for our friends that used to run the Guitar Bros channel. True. They actually never recovered from yep. that. Joss and Tom lost their channel and never got it back, I don't think. They also made a they mistake. They got it back, but, but it took so long that... Um, they just basically never yeah, exactly. from that. Stevie T with his millions of subscribers was able to create like a a wave of publicity to help get his back and he's got it back and yeah. now he has extra layers of security, let's say, attached to his account so you can't simply guess his password and be in. He has double factor authentication on. And I believe yep. these days on YouTube you actually have to have double factor authentication if you're mm. a a creator, if you're actually releasing videos, yeah. But yeah, someone seems to hope that's the case. Yeah, someone's got into this Premier Guitar account, and it's going to be interesting to see if they get it back or if they don't. Um, 
Mm-hmm. They haven't made any public statement since then. Just seems to be business as usual on their website. So let's see what's going on behind the scenes. And fingers crossed they get it back because if they have to start from zero, Premier Guitar obviously has a massive reach and a massive YouTube channel and a lot of marketing and advertising power behind it. But building back up to 200,000 followers is going to be an arduous process. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it reminds me of the fact that please have the two-factor authentication on because otherwise this is something that could happen. Like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, reality. It's a simple step, but it basically makes your account unhackable. Because yeah. what, if someone manages to get your password right, what they then need access to is your personal phone or another device, which obviously yeah. you will have with you and they won't have unless they've somehow stolen your phone too. In which case, they probably deserve your account because they're very, very creative and clever as thieves. But yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Uh, the, the other point for me about all this is something which I want to relate to YouTubers and people who make careers on social media channels. It can all be gone like that, you know, because yeah. if you're a YouTuber and all you do is post videos on that platform, if you lose access to your account, if you lose all your videos, suddenly everything you have done is gone, you know? If you don't have your own site, if you don't have your own mailing list or something like that, you can be from everything to nothing in the space of a day. Yeah. That's kind of a scary thought. If you're just putting yeah. out content on YouTube or Instagram, they effectively own you in that respect. Yeah, and based on all the stories we've heard, it's it's difficult to get YouTube's attention and get your yeah. channel back. They don't have any kind of like YouTuber support or anything like that. They just no. Don't. These social media companies aim to bring people together, but they are the hardest people in the world to actually contact <laughs> yeah. if you want to do something with a real person. Yeah, all the irony. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Uh, one um, more tip that I have to. Add yep, to this. Give your tip. Uh, yeah, one of the is obviously the two-factor authentication, but the other one, and that's very important, uh, your default browser should be a different one than the one you use for your YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, because even though they might not guess your password. They might like you. You can have all kinds of scripts in an email or in a word attachment or anything like that. That will then open a window on your default browser. And if you're logged into your YouTube account, for example, on that browser, they gain access to your YouTube account and they immediately go and do all the changes and stuff like that. So, for example, one way I'm protecting myself is the fact that I'm my like when I click a link somewhere. It always opens it in a different browser than the one I'm logged into with my, or like on my computer. I'm logged into my YouTube account on a different browser than the one I'm using, but like by default, just because of this. It's going to save you a lot of trouble. Even like sometimes with you could get those from like a legitimate looking email addresses and stuff like that. So just an extra layer of protection. Yeah, I think yeah, one of the biggest dangers is clicking any kind of a link. Yeah. Basically don't do that. <laughs> is the, the general links. guidance there. That's how the, ones in the guitar bros lost their channel, isn't it? It was a yeah. a seemingly genuine looking link that 
lost them theirs. Um, yeah, if you're if you're contacted by someone or a company or what seems to be a company, do it another way. Don't click a direct link in an email. Go to a person that you know at that company. Contact them via your means, via authentic official channels. Do it that way instead. Don't give them the joy of clicking on that link in an email because it's uh, yep. you're risking everything you have by doing that. Yeah. I mean, this is why you listen to Catholic Fridays. It's not only recent news and entertainment, it's also useful stuff like security tips. Yeah, exactly. I don't think this will be like a recurring segment. We don't claim to be security experts, but we know some stuff at least. So cover yep. the basics as we do. From hacks to Gibson, I said that in a way as if there was something like something hack, hackable. Hack, I don't know where I'm going with this. Gibson, another hacks. They introduced two new Jerry Cantrell acoustic models, which sure ain't cheap. $4,000. But then again, it's Jerry Cantrell. It's probably a very good acoustic guitar. That doesn't look like too signature-y. Okay, the other one does with like a square around the sound hole. But the other one looks very neutral, I'd like to say. Actually kind of nice. Yeah, they're interesting looking guitars. Like you say, these must have been, uh, I don't know, Gibson must have hacked down some pretty expensive trees to end up with guitars costing around (laughs) $4,000. But yeah, to add to the recent Jerry Cantrell Les Paul signatures, we now have acoustic signatures too. Is he well known for playing acoustic guitar? I guess so. Okay. I'm not really that familiar with Alice in Chains or his solo material for my sins, mm. so I, I actually don't know. Yeah, my impression of him is like he also plays a lot of acoustic guitar. That yeah. I'm not sure where, where I'm basing it at, but... Or on, but I I say he plays acoustic guitar quite a lot. Why not? Okay. Yeah, cool. And? Yeah, so these are Gibson cutaway dreadnoughts, both black. One of them looks a bit like a black, almost like a. Is it a hummingbird that has that distinctive mm. pickguard? And it has trapezoid yeah, so. inlays, which makes the neck look quite interesting. Mm, and the other one is a bit more roll. unique with the uh, the design, the square shape mm. over the circular sound hole. At least I assume mm. the sound hole is a circle. Or is it a square? Yeah. You actually can't see. <laughs> you can't, can't. I'm going to guess it's round one. It's just painted that way because... Uh, oh yeah, it's his signature sound. circle in square pick guard. So, ah, there you go. Yeah, that oh, I don't know. It's, it's too dark. It's ebony, and we can't actually see what the sound hole is. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, neither of these, like, well, maybe the one with the square round thing screams like a signature guitar. But the other one, you could take it to any gig, and nobody would like immediately tell, like, "Hey, that guy is a Judy Cantrell fan." Yeah, it looks like a classic. Okay, so slightly the, the different one, acoustic guitar. Yeah, that one, that more traditional one, is the Fire Devil, which builds upon the traditional Gibson songwriter model, 
It has several unique personalized features like a thinner body depth for playing comfort, mm. a unique fire devil pick guard, Jerry Cantrell's signature on the truss rock cover, double J water slide decal on the back of the headstock, and more. That's and tantalizing. More. <laughs> What's the more? <laughs> Tell us. We was we need to know more. Let's check out some sort of page. Uh what what more is there? Uh I'm trying to find out what's Oh, only 100 units will be handmade by the expert luthiers and craftspeople of the Gibson Acoustic Custom, custom Shop in Bozeman, Montana, USA. Yep. So, Interestingly, it has a thinner body shape than a standard hmm. Gibson Acoustic would, so it would be kind of cool to see how that affects the tonality of the guitar. Hmm. You know, obviously a bigger My, body, a bigger sound. Yeah, exactly. But what like if you're playing live through a PA system and you're using like built-in pickups, I don't think it matters as much anyway. Just probably makes it more comfortable to play for an extended period of yeah, time. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Because I love my dreadnought, the Taylor hundred and ten E, I think is the exact model name. Uh I wouldn't mind it being a slightly smaller because I never use that low end it produces anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's good to have in like those situations where I'm playing, or like where I'm the only instrument playing. But otherwise, I don't mind. But, like, I'm actually like thinking about getting like a parlor-sized acoustic, for example, which would just would be more comfortable to play. Yeah, they have a really sweet mid-range and high-end parlor guitars. Oh, I have a quite nice parlor guitar. I need to get more into acoustic playing again. I've got three or four, and I spent a few years kind of mostly playing acoustic. You know, I was really into finger-picking guys like the tallest man on earth, playing contemporary sort of Indian folk stuff. And mm. I have a pretty decent right-hand technique for that kind of stuff, for the complex picking patterns. But I, I just haven't done it for a long time and need to get back into it. What I've been thinking about doing is kind of offloading my three or four sort of medium-priced acoustics and getting a great single guitar to use. Ooh, I highly recommend yeah. that idea. Could It'll be a good idea. Probably but... make you pick it up way more often. Yeah, that's just... the thing. I mean, the other thing about acoustics is I tend to use a lot of different tunings. The tallest man on earth, for example, ah, he uh, he yeah. alternates between quite a few. Like he's got his own kind of semi-unique one, which is a little bit like Dad Gad, a little bit different. And it's like I dislike constantly tuning between acoustic guitars because I seem to break strings way more often and stuff, and they become less stable. But yeah, yeah maybe that's a quest like, um... for me for this year or next year. Yeah, actually, like, I'd probably just get a second one as well, just because I want to get into like that gad or maybe open G tunings. And I guess technically, I could tune my guitar to those right away, but it's it's not the same. It's been adjusted to E standard, and it like it works perfectly for that. And whenever I need it, it's ready to go. So maybe getting a second yeah. one would be the yeah. thing to do. Yeah, but from Jerry Cantrell and acoustic guitars to Kiesel. Something that's definitely not acoustic-looking. Kiesel, nope. Kiesel introduces the new McRockling signature guitar, and English guitarist and producer Thomas McRockling. If if that's his real name, well done. You only had one career choice at that point. If you're McRockling, you gotta play electric guitar. Yeah, he has. Yeah, the you were born Kiesel, to do it. Yeah, MCR six. X signature guitar. It's a small batch body, 
Bolt on neck, Tung Oil Maple, Tung Oil Maple Neck with rich light diamond black fingerboard, hip shot gizzle tremolo, two purple macrocking signature Fishman Fluence pickups. And oh, he has I'm signature Fishman Fluence pickups too. Wow. Yeah, so it seems. Like, we've talked about briefly. Like talk about this briefly before we started shooting. It's kind of interesting that guy with he doesn't have like a huge following on YouTube. Was it like thirty thousand subs or something like that? We checked. Yeah, I think thirty like, thirty seven. I think we said this morning yeah. when we looked. I mean, he's you know, an insane but, guitar player. Oh, he is. I I'm not That's saying like sure. <laughs> doesn't deserve it or anything like that, but maybe he's like yeah, a, it's um well known producer. Or something like that, like besides YouTube, and that's yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But these days, I guess you don't have to be slashed, do you? But if Kiesel have you know worked <laughs> with him before and realized this guy's got let's say 30,000 YouTube subscribers or whatever, but they're all dedicated, and we know that if we put yeah. out a signature model with him, we'll sell a thousand, you know, that's obviously way yeah. higher than what they'll sell of this, but um, mm. it's worth doing, you know, it's the modern way that. Companies and musicians seem to operate. Mm. Good on him, I Game say. Although he doesn't look that happy in the profile picture that we're looking at right now. <laughs> That's true as well. <laughs> and my videos still don't work, so we're not going to watch any videos today. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, but it looks like I... a very interesting guitar, a bit different from the standard Kiesel, like a sort of a more bulbous body, a massive kind of upper cutaway. It's like yeah. a Les Paul sort of. Upper horn, but twice as big. It's huge. You can almost see a standard size guitar underneath it, sort of thing. Yeah, it's very. It's true. really bulbous. Yeah, headless, of course. You've got those signature Fishman Fluence pickups. What's the bridge on it? It was um, a hip shot Kiesel tremolo. Yeah, and so a rich light fingerboard, which is an interesting choice. Have you ever played any guitars with Rich Light Fredboard? Yeah, a couple of Gibsons, and I had no problems with them. And in fact, I believe yeah. when I played one of them, I didn't even know it was Rich Light till I looked. So there you go. I, I have no real issues with Rich Light, which is, I guess, uh, hypocritical on my part because I'm always going on about stuff like Indian Laurel. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, I've just heard based. from. Yeah, I've heard about some people who had the uh, rich light Gibsons that the boards have a tendency to crack or you might get fret sprouts or whatever. So, you know, it, you, you mm. always hear stories when new woods come out, don't you? These ones look great yeah. in the pictures, nice and dark. So we'll hopefully yeah. get to play I don't one like of these rich the light because, Yeah, I don't like rich light because it doesn't sustain enough and it's not a proper tone wood and all of those things. Yeah. No, actually, I've owned a guitar with Rich Light Fredboard. Couldn't oh, yeah. care less that it was. It looked like ebony, but just felt and felt really nice. And the guitar sounded great. It was the Gibson Midtown Custom, which inspired my own. Okay, yeah. So guitar was that there. from like between I don't know, two thousand and eight, two thousand and thirteen, or something? The year or? Uh yes, I think. so. Yeah, that was kind of the period. I think when they. Yeah, that was the period yeah. when they were using a lot of rich light on stuff. And yeah, yeah it has a mixed reputation. It, one yeah. thing it definitely didn't have in any case when I tried it was 
you know, the dryness of laurel or mm, some other cheaper true. fingerboard woods. But there you go. It's it's a personal choice, isn't it? I'd just like to educate you, Vlad, and the viewers on the first Please point do. that we made about Mr. McRocklin being built to become a guitar player. That's something that we call nominative determinism. The idea that you're <laughs> drawn towards doing something with your life based on what your name is. So there you go, guys. Impress uh, friends and acquaintances at parties with that juicy piece of info, if you will. Cool. So I'm going to rule the world then, I guess. Because that's what my full first name means. Okay, your real first name isn't King Vlad. Because, yeah, then, then I would get it, but yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's just a nickname I use in all the online games. So Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, let's let's move on to something else. <laughs> so decided, uh, talking about different lads who want to rule the world. Uh, yeah, Fender releases a George Harrison Rosewood Telecaster now with chambered Rosewood body. It ain't heavy. Headass. I like that. It ain't heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gear News. <laughs> Always good for uh, a pun. Yeah. It looks nice. There's no like F holes or anything. It's just chambered. Yeah. That's. I mean, why not? Like a cool guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people do say that solid rosewood guitars are extremely heavy. I've never played one. Ah, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually wouldn't know. I got to say. For me personally, it's purely a taste thing. I love rosewood fingerboards. I even don't mind, you know, one-piece rosewood necks, but the rosewood body for mm. me is a bit kind of... It's not my favorite. I'll put it that way. Mm. I I don't have any strong opinions on it. haven't tried that I many. don't dislike it. I just feel like there are nicer finishes available, most of them being blue. Sure. But there we go. <laughs> That's my personal taste. As we I'm learned sure from this the intro is, show. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure this is a wonderful instrument. You know, yeah. it's Fender Custom Shop, right? It's got a modern neck yep. radius, 9.5 inches, so it's going to be extremely playable. It's not going to break your back for playing shows. Something in German. Yeah, it, it's not available or no longer available. What? Maybe it already Have sold, sold out, out or already? maybe... Maybe they don't have the new one in yet. Maybe that yeah. the link you clicked on was still to the old product or something. Could but be. yeah, uh, this was made in limited numbers, I assume. Yeah. Uh, was there any mentioning on? No mention of being limited. I think. Okay. But maybe it is. But yeah, Guinness article doesn't mention anything about like a limited run or anything like that. Uh, the price is to well three thousand euros basically, so not cheap. But then again, it's George Harrison; it's proper Italian, made, made out of rosewood as well. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's an nice. iconic guitar that some people will, yeah. you know. It doesn't matter if it costs two hundred, two thousand, or twenty thousand. There's there's people who will snap that up. And it looks That's, like, based on the link, that they snapped it up already. <laughs> yeah, they might, might have done it already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check Reverb later and see if it's on there for, you know, seven 4, times the price. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that as well. Yeah. Uh, 
other cool guitars. Ibanez releases his biggest ever run of custom shop instruments as it celebrates Hoshino USA's 50th anniversary. They've been in USA for 50 years already. Wow. So, 50 years. for whatever reason, Music Radar article doesn't, like, they picked a few examples of these guitars. There's an LACS5 Root Beer Float uh, custom guitar, which is this, I, that's the Iceman shape, right? I was going to uh, guess Talman, but yeah, I think it's the Iceman. Yeah. I'm not up to the, speed on my, yeah, it's the yeah, unusual the Iceman Talman. spec, yeah, something like that. Yeah, the other one is Talman. This you gotta watch the YouTube version or check the links in the show notes because these look funky. Uh, but was what I was going to say, like the only nice one they chose for this article was this JPCS32 Sakura base with like a cherry blossom finish. This looks cool. The other ones, not my thing. But if we go to the Ibanez LA Custom Shop page, boy, oh boy, they have some nice looking guitars over here. Yeah, some there's like loads. Yeah, there's yep. a lot. And I'm going to pick my favorite quickly. Okay, this, this looks weird and interesting. It's called Zoom, it does. I think. Oh no, wind shear. There's like, how would you describe me? Like cavities? Speed holes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of a Simpsons episode. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know how to describe that. Oh, oh, they go through the body. What? Imagine the time spent carving those. Look at the flame maple. It's everywhere. It's on the fingerboard. It's, it's on the back of the neck. It's all over the body. Is that just a two-piece <laughs> maple body as well? Could be. It's like somebody like, just went like, "What if it was not all the standard way?" Maple? Yeah, very interesting. The wind shear. <laughs> I mean, this looks a like weight a off your shoulders thing from. Yeah, yeah, it's weight relief just done in a very in-your-face way. Yeah, so it's the. Uh, I think this is the S shape body, so not the like the RG one, but the S shape. So like, so a bit kind of soft, softer edges and stuff like that. Traditional strat. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. <laughs> it is not a traditional strat. But yeah, looks. Yeah, this looks very custom shop to me. I like it. Uh, what is this? Torch the Cosmos. <laughs> so this finish is called Torch the Cosmos. So this is an RG shape. But very interesting. That color confuses me. What's going on? Why is. What is it? Looks like something you created in like Microsoft Paint, but then you add it on top of a guitar. What is that? Yeah, to me, it looks like an oil spill. It's um, yeah, a really kind of, interesting yeah, that, color that's scheme. That's a good way to describe it, actually. Yeah, or torch the cosmos. It, it looks like um, you know, sometimes on the news they'll have discovered a new galaxy like yeah. a, <laughs> a million light years away, and you see this kind of blurry image and this black and white and some different shades on there. It looks a little bit like that, which is maybe what yeah. they did here. It, uh, it's like somebody it's, used the blur filter in Photoshop on the guitar yeah. body. I like that. And they have that beautiful uh, finish on the body, on the front and on the headstock and the rest of the guitar is just black. But yeah. yeah. And this one, let's check out a few more. Uh, that was very classy. Oh, I like this one as well. So let's check out a couple of more uh, 
totally jamming. So there's a very classic semi-hollow double cut. This looks nice. I I like I know Ibanez makes these guitars, but you never associate them with like cool semi-hollow guitars. You have one, by the way. I don't do. You? Is that behind this me there the, somewhere? Yes, the, I do. The AS73 I have. What? With fan frets and what pickups are in that? The pickups look strange. Uh, oh, Bartolini's. Oh. Expensive. But aren't, yeah. they, aren't Bartolini's like acoustic pickups? I don't know enough about Maybe. them. Maybe. They sure look like humbuckers. Fascinating. Yeah. This is a very interesting instrument. Yeah, multi-scale, semi-hollow. It looks weird when the pickups and the bridge is slightly like wonky. Or like angled. Yeah. Same goes with the frets. This is definitely like a custom shop instrument, like in every sense. Probably with the price, the design. Like there's not a huge market for this, but somebody will buy this. So Yes. Yeah, it's 25.5 to 24.75 multi-scale. Cool. Sign me up. Like if you if somebody wants to donate me one, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> That's kind of you to take the hit. Yeah, in that way. I'm so quick. If someone's uh, getting right, rid, I'll, I'll take it off your hands. The Caldera. Yeah. Caldera. So this is an RG shape, uh, Steve Weish vibes to it overall. Floral pattern on the board. There's a figure to cover top. And a very interesting color choices with the pick guard and everything on. Ah, there you go. Uh, I oh, like yeah, the pickguard has two distinct colors Tops. to it. Yeah. This screams custom shop to me as well. Nice. It's very beautiful. Probably very expensive as well. Uh, this has to be like a Steam Vive thing because it comes with the A notes on True Velvet and Tone Zone pickups from Dimasio, which are yeah. pretty much a Steam Vive thing. Do we have any and prices on this Ibanez Custom Shop site? Be interested to find out how much some of these are. But I think often with guitars like this, it's the, the case of if you need to ask how much they are, you can't afford them. So <laughs> that's uh, the way it is. Yeah, they, what we were... There's like a PDF file they linked to or something like that. Yeah, probably you... It's exactly as you described, you have to ask. And if you have to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> the only set emails where they where you say like send me this, here's the money, here's my credit card number. Yeah. Yeah. I like I would love to get something like this because you probably get like you get like the behind the scenes photos probably attached to it, like a hard shell case and certificate of authenticity. Uh, I would probably never gig with any of these instruments because I would be scared to damage them. But this yeah. one, like, I like this one a lot. So that's yeah, like it's, it's customs. the polar opposite of what I personally would normally play. But <laughs> with some things like this, you you can appreciate the craftsmanship yeah. that's gone into it, and you can you know just imagine what a joy it would be to play. Exactly. And this would look really cool on the wall as well. 
It would. So. Quite the artwork. Yeah, but that that's also something uh, that a lot of people talk about when it comes to custom guitars like this. Like, do they actually get played? And I guess my question would be like, does it matter really? Because uh, some of these are just going to be like in a glass case type of thing and you can just look at them. Yeah, I, I guess it, the question is, what are you buying it for? Are you buying it to play or are you buying it as an investment piece or are you buying it as an artwork piece? Yeah. Just as an off-the-wall question, Vlad, if you could get any custom guitar, what would you get? Or is that too big a question for this show? Should we dedicate more time to that? No, we we can do both. Even like on the top of my head, I would probably like custom shop instrument. You know what? I'd probably say Gibson. Mm-hmm. Like RJ got like RJ Renkilia got, got a custom shop Gibson. He got one of those Murphy Lab ones. Not too oh, long really? ago. He wow. made a video about it on his channel. I think on one of his Saturday live streams or something like that. Okay. And he talked about like the way he kind of approached the whole thing was something that I would probably do as well. Just because it's age, this just you're just not getting that less false on from any other guitar. Even with all of its like flaws, I'm putting that in quotes. Like I love to have that sound. And I've yeah. played a few custom shop Gibsons that have been just amazing. And yeah. Like it's either that or a custom shop three three five for me. How about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be between Fender and Gibson. I actually downloaded the uh, 2022 Fender Custom Shop sort of manual or builder's sort of booklet mm. the other week and was going through it. There's so many choices that you can have. I don't really know what I would pick. And in that sense, <laughs> in some ways, Gibson is more attractive as a custom shop instrument. So sure. I might also go for a maybe a, a 58, a 59, or a 60... Les Paul variant from the custom shop. I'd have to try them all out and see which necks and pickups work best for me, but that might be the one. That's a mm. hard question. Yeah, we'll probably need to dedicate it like a proper segment yeah. for that. Uh, because I, I, like that would make me browse some companies' custom shop instruments and maybe I'll, all of a sudden I get inspired. Yeah, exactly. We get S20 Caldera from Ibanez. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you think of custom shops, we've just named Gibson and Fender, but those are just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many more brands, you know, well-known ones like Ibanez through to kind of custom luthiers and builders who will build you whatever you want. So asking the question, what custom guitar would you have? It's it's a very wide-ranging question. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I even have one not that far from my place. So Ruokangas, who makes... I want to say some of the best guitars in the world. The attention to detail and how like how those how premium those guitars feel is just incredible. The fretwork and everything is just ridiculous on those. They like you. I, I've been a, a, at a couple of guitar shows where you get to try a bunch of instruments, and when you pick up the instrument, it just feels incredibly well finished. Yeah. But then there's the only thing that there is that like they don't do like relic finishes and you kind of don't get that uh, Gibson mojo, for example, if you go for their single cut model. Yeah. But 
Yeah, and I guess that, also, that's actually leads to a slightly indirect question. If you're going to pay $10,000 to get a Murphy Labs aged Gibson from the custom shop, could you also kind of do a bit of searching around and find a genuine vintage Gibson for that price, which yeah, has the, the real mojo? Uh, and that's, that's uh, that makes it even trickier. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I would probably buy a guitar, like any guitar I would buy is probably always to be used. I don't see myself like putting one in a like glass case or something like that, or hang it on the wall just for the looks. So mm, I have mixed feelings about with a like a real vintage one. Would I be worried about the fact that if I damage this, it will be less valuable? Yeah, I'd probably maybe go for the cust- new custom shop that's aged, which is kind of silly if you could also get like the old one. Like the real one, as we talked about, with was last week or a couple of weeks ago, there was that uh, the guy from Social Distortion, I think, he had a new signature. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Les, Les Paul, and it was basically priced the same as like this, or you could like you could use the same money to get like a real seventies Les Paul for that money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, for hopefully, those will be the problems we'll have at some point in our lives. That would be fun. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. More From people that, start watching the show. Yeah. So, as the last piece of news, Universal Audio gets into the microphone game with the SD1 dynamic microphone, uh, with which sure looks like the Sure SM7B or the MV7 you have. It, that looks very, very close to these microphones, especially the SM7B. Uh, it sure does very, look similar. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's very friendly. I just copied your joke. Or did you not even notice that you were doing it yourself? Well, surely you did. Um, if you just stopped sure. listening to the podcast, I think we understand. Um, yeah. yeah. It's two ninety nine, uh, so it's roughly in the price range of the MV seven actually, which is interesting because this uh, does like I wasn't able to find anything. It does have like some digital things built in to it as well, because uh, if it does similar things as the MV seven does, then it's cool. But is there no information on their website? Uh, I think we've got to jump there to check out. Should have done the research beforehand, but I guess somehow I just missed this. Uh, yeah, they ha- have a whole microphone range. And there you go. Is this standard, standard dynamic microphone? Does it have some smart things in it? Doesn't seem so. There's like just a couple of switches, exactly it as you have do. on the SM7B. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is a bit cheaper, but still, yeah. Because with them, they don't. They kind of don't need the smart things built in the microphone because they have the whole plug-in range, and they kind of assume you. You know, use it with your universal audio interface anyway. So, 
as I wonder if it's in any way kind of um, what's the word limited that you have to use UA sort of plugins and software with it. I mean, I I would guess Mm. not to use it as a standard mic, but to make the most of the features, maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, based on the demo, like they they had a cool singing demo attached to the article with the guys just. Or like different people are just singing, and uh, they seem to just use the XLR out and go to the input of the audio interface. So yeah. if there's no digital things, like it's you're not being forced to use it with their stuff. But obviously, if you ask them, they would say like you should use it with their stuff. And well, now, of course they would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm personally in a situation where my Fairly old Apollo Twin is dying. <laughs> like all the inputs and everything are, have become loose. The headphone jack, especially, is going out of commission pretty soon. I'm having serious software issues with it. I'm not too excited about being tied to Universal Audio anymore. But the fact that this microphone is two ninety nine and probably sounds really good. They're finally entering the budget friendly range, both with the audio interfaces and now a microphone as well. So. Yeah, Why that's not? a definite kind of shift in position from them. Yep. Budget microphone, well, budget 300 is, it's not super budget, is it? But budget S, no. well, again, I've got a speech failure going on. Budget-esque microphones and pretty cheap audio interfaces as well. So, yeah, yep. new worlds for them. I guess that's where, yeah. you know, the bulk sales are. Yeah, I absolutely need to check how much the MV7 is, though. Uh, sure, I think MV. it's cheaper than the SD1 just for the mic. Two. Oh, yeah, that's the, we're looking at the podcast bundle. The microphone itself is what? Like I so two two nine. Sure, MV7 is two twenty nine euros at Thoman. Uh, let's see what's. So Universal Audio, what was it called? SD1. SD1. I just typed SD2 for whatever reason. Um, you cannot see it on Thorman. Just oh, oh, there you go, two ninety nine. Uh, so you could get most likely a as good microphone from Shure for less money, and also has all the smart things like built-in compression and. EQ and stuff like that that you can control and that makes Rich sound so amazing. Indeed it does. Indeed. Uh, honestly, I unless you absolutely want to have some everything from Universal Audio, I see no reason why we'd get the this one, the Universal Let's Audio just, one. Let's um, just scroll down a bit, Vlad. Let's have a look at those features. On the SD1. So we've got dynamic studio vocal microphone with low cut and articulation boost. Cardioid polar pattern rejects off-axis sounds and room noise. Flat frequency response for natural sounding recordings. So I'm guessing that means it's modeled after the SM7B. Shape vocals and instruments with SD1 Apollo channel strip presets. Again, is that something you would be able to use in other... uh, Mm. DAWs and stuff? I'm not sure. I don't know enough about this. Maybe. Internal shock mount reduces low-end rumble and mechanical noise. 
rear-mounted XLR jack for easy cable management. Built-in windscreen reduces plosives and breath noise. Quality UA craftsmanship and stylish, rugged build. So there you go. Yeah, so... Yeah, again, there's the thing where they want you to be tied to their hardware. Because I think the UA plugins only work if you have a universal audio hardware. That's that's what I was guessing, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, personally, I'll go with MP7. Just saying. I'm biased, maybe, because I really like Marshall SM7B. And the only reason why I haven't gotten the MV7 is the fact that I've had this microphone for a decade now, I think. Close to that. And it just works. Yeah, Every single time. that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the SD1 might sound amazing. And it, it would be genuinely interesting to test it up against the SM7B and the MV7 just to see what you've mm. got and some of the other usual suspects just to check. But it's kind of priced halfway between these two Shure microphones, yeah. isn't it? And it's going to be interesting to see who who advocates for this one. But yeah, for me personally, I don't own any universal audio stuff. And if I were to buy that microphone and I would need to buy more universal audio stuff in order to get the best from the microphone, mm. I wouldn't like that. In the yeah. same way that with the Line 6 Podgo, I don't like the fact that I will have to purchase third-party IRs to get the best results from that product. Because yep. I just feel like you yeah. buy something, you should be able to get the best of it. Yep, I get what you're saying. And mm. I actually agree. Well, even though I've been in the Universal Audio interface user for a long time, it works great when it works. Mine is just, I think it's his it's expiry date or something like that. It's also been yeah, like too much use. I've used it a lot on like all kinds of remote gigs and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. even though it's definitely road worn, I don't know if road worn <laughs> audio interfaces will ever be a thing, but mine's definitely that. So yeah, put it put it on eBay or Reverb as like a one off custom shop relict interface. See if someone goes for it. You never know. You never know. Yep. Or just but, don't do that. <laughs> Your choice. Don't back down now. <laughs> we just got off to okay, a good do start it. with this. Yeah. All right. But before we wrap up this week's Cat Pick Friday's celebratory show, something like that, let's talk about something that I've. I'm not sure I've publicly talked about this that much, but yeah. We can watch recommendation from us next. Watch it. 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 It's not like you have anything else to do. Yeah, this week's Weekend Watch recommendation is from Charles Cornell, a huge, huge music channel as well. He's a jazz pianist, kind of Adam Neely style, I want to say. We don't want to watch his ad about whatever thing. Uh, but what it's going to is some music from Studio Ghibli, which is a Japanese animation studio uh, probably mostly famous, most famous from Hayao Miyazaki's movies. Uh, so, what would be his most famous movies? Spirited Away, uh, Totoro. What, what's it called? Uh, Castle in the Sky is one of those, and probably some others that I'm just forgetting right now. Basically, like one of the 
most amazing like animation directors ever. And his movies, like he's partially responsible for all the kind of anime thing kind of bleeding into Western culture as well, just because the movies are just movies and the music that Charles is covering here. Uh, it's just really, really, really good. And something that I haven't talked about is like I'm a pretty big anime fan. I watched a lot of series since I was kid, a kid, especially with Netflix and stuff like that. It's cool because they they started to have a lot of uh, anime shows on the service as well. So that's cool. And what makes the Studio Ghibli special is like the music in their movies is just freaking amazing and I'm scroll forward the video a little bit uh, yeah it's just like it's not your traditional pop cause or anything like that there's so much depth and emotion packed into that music especially when you pair it with the events that are happening in the movie when that music is playing it's I'm, I'm sorry Disney but your music just sucks compared to this one <laughs> Having watched, like, recently we watched the Encanto thing with uh, the movie. I think it's the latest from Pixar. Good movie, cool music, especially the one song that became a hit from that one. And I forgot this. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno, I think was the song. That's, that's a really fun song from the movie. I like that a lot. And a fun movie overall. But this is just next level and I rich recommend you to check out this video because I think you will appreciate the music quite a lot and maybe it might make you check one of the Studio Ghibli movies as well so there you go and Charles yeah. does a great job explaining it all yep I'm unfamiliar with Charles Charles Cornell did you say his name was yes I'm unfamiliar with the movies that you named and anime in general. I've heard of Spirited Away because that's obviously a very famous oh, yeah. and influential piece. But yeah, I'm going to watch this video and maybe I'll learn something. I'm always open to listening and watching new things. So I'll give it a try. I yeah. guess as a second think, weekend watch, we can also tag on for people the uh, the Super Bowl halftime video that yes, we absolutely. also mentioned. So that's two very contrasting things that you can have a watch of. <laughs> watch this first and go from a jazz pianist to 50 Cent. <laughs> I was just, I just about to say, like, I enjoy both a lot, but uh, very, very different. Uh, to, one is like a nostalgia level when you hear, like, Lose Yourself by Eminem. You go like, oh man, this was like the gigantic hit of my teens. And then yeah. you go to this, which is like a beautiful art piece of music. Yeah. Very different. Uh, both equally good, just in a different way. Exactly. Different spheres. Exactly. And that wraps up the Celebratory Catholic Fridays, episode number 51. So, though, as I mentioned, it's technically 55 or 6 episodes already. I don't know. Who cares about the numbers? Thank you so much for watching and listening. And thank you for the first year of Catholic Fridays. Here's to the second one with a, the remaining sip of water I have. Mm -hmm. Cheers. I try to make it the loud sound when I put my mug back on the table. Yeah, I also made a so, really weird and disgusting noise with my lips. So 
<laughs> you can choose whether or not you want to keep that in. <laughs> yeah, I got some noise gates in my audio processing chain. Maybe Thank it will mute those. noise gates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there you go. This that's a wrap for this week. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Unless the things we predicted happen, like we're predicting some sort of doom over our heads every week. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Thank you so much for watching, listening, like, and so on. Ways to support what we do in the show notes as well. Have a great weekend. And as we do here on Cupcake Fridays, bye podcast. Bye podcast. Bye podcast.